0: everybody welcome back to the upside Swing draft podcast the podcast with the highest ceiling i'm your host bryce Hendricks, joined as always by stone hansen and now joined by uh, a special 76ers guest um dan olinger how you doing dan
1: i'm doing about as I don't. Think, I was about to say about as well as I can following what happened to the Sixers, but I honestly don't know if I am doing as well as I can because ugh, that was brutal. But you know, it's as always, we stay grinding. So we're pivoting to draft season now. Uh, I had already been watching some draft prospects, so getting to some more of that. But um,
0: yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's not a great time, but hanging in there. I I, I feel your pain, and, and as does Stone. All our teams lost uh, in disappointing fashion this year. Um, and we are now all Suns fans. Um, I've ordered the Devin Booker jersey already. Uh, Stone is going to be CP3. Davis is not here to rub it in our face. Um, but he, he can be our DeAndre Ayton. So we got the whole squad going. Um, and we're here to talk about the 76ers, who uh, are sort of the topic of a, a lot of controversy in, in um, NBA spe- spheres right now uh, with with the whole Ben Simmons thing, the not taking the layup and all that sort of thing. Uh, They're also the owners of the 28th and the 50th pick in this draft. So we brought on Dan to sort of just uh, talk us through it, try and give us some uh, inside perspective on the 76ers and where they're going. So Dan, I'll throw it to you first. Um, Aside from a Ben Simmons replacement, what are this team's biggest needs uh, to try and get them to, a championship level team.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, inherently like what Ben Simmons isn't providing is something they need, which is like, it's, I mean, it's the same thing they've always needed is more off the dribble shot creation. Cause it killed them again in the playoffs. When like you see Joel Embiid on one leg did all he could and he can, he technically creates in the post and inside he can create shots, but you know, that's like one form of creation. Usually that kind of creation is best as a secondary option. And then, they have Seth Curry who played an incredible series, but it's also a lot to ask Seth Curry. Hey, can you be the primary creator for this team, this contending team? It's a lot Tobias Harris, I mean, can run pick and rolls, can create his own shot sometimes, but like, these are all guys who are kind of like, can they be the secondary, at least off the dribble creator? And then Ben obviously was not doing much of that. So anything they can bring with that, but as the problem with like being as good as they were in the regular season, there's not really off the dribble shot creators around 28, usually like, you know those guys go early for a reason that teams understand they want them uh they have they of course have Tyrese Maxey from last year's draft who in is their hope is that he is in the future that guy or maybe not that guy but just another guy who can contribute to that with his ability especially like his handles and his speed are just like I mean handles and speed kind of go hand in hand especially when you're talking about basketball and he can just get to so many places on the court with how how bursty he is he's He's just so athletic. It really pops every time you watch him. And then continually getting better of the shot, continually getting more confident taking the shot and showing that, you know, if you back up on me, I will take this, just forcing the defensive guard, and that opens up even more of his game, has shown passing flashes, so stuff like that. But, like, what I've come back to is the Sixers, they have they have all those things, like, they have size, they have shooting, they have some guys with handle and speed. They, you know, have all this stuff, but they – don't have the one guy who maybe puts all of those things together. And beat is the closest thing, but it's very hard for a guy at his height to kind of do all that, especially with the handles and the speed. It's just very hard to ask that of him, and especially if no one else on the team has provided that much. So, yeah, that's definitely one of the needs they could go to. Um Another kind of thing would be that Sixers fans always talk about is a, a uh, spacing five off the bench, which if they were to keep Ben Simmons, which – guessing how the playoffs went, I would actually say it's less likely than not that they do hang on to Ben Simmons. Although what we did report today that Rich Paul talked to Daryl Morey and like maybe some signs of Ben, like they're going to try and keep him. But who knows if all of that, just have another, because like playing Ben with a rim running five, just your spacing is going to suck no matter what you do or with the other three guys. And so a guy like that maybe just, but I, I kind of think of it maybe not even as a five, but just, a wing or a someone with size who can shoot off the bench they don't really have to do much else but if they can just not compromise the Sixers overall size while being able to shoot that'd be because that's the one thing that the Sixers that I don't know if a ton of people know is like they obviously went to those all bench units that Sixers fans hated like the Doc Rivers kept playing but if you look at those units it was really Dwight Howard and like four small guys because like Matisse Thibel was usually the next biggest one out there at six foot five they couldn't play Mike Scott anymore because he just wasn't making shots was playing really poorly all season and then you have George Hill Tyrese Maxey Shake Milton you know these are all guards and while like George Hill and Shake Milton have good size for guards they're not exactly huge you have Furkan Korkmaz who's 6'7 and that helps him get a shot off but Furkan especially like it surprises people when you tell them Furkan Korkmaz is 6'7 because he plays smaller than that most of the time um so really I'm looking for just if they have height and they can shoot in some way, I think that would help. And obviously off the dribble shot creation is the best thing. But then again, like that's just a lot to ask for from a 28th pick in the
0: draft, ideally. Yeah. So especially with that second point, um, I, I don't know if there's any real, like real off the dribble shot creators who are going to be there at 28. But with that second point size, it can shoot. Um, my brain automatically goes to my guy who are going to talk about with almost everyone from 20 to 30 in this draft, every pick, uh, Trey Murphy, the third, um, he, he to me is one of the dream fits for, for you guys. I would say him and deuce are the two guys who the Sixers should really be hoping are there at 28 and should not hesitate to take either one. Um, Trey Murphy, the third is six, nine, uh, potentially devastating off ball player. Um, from UVA so just there's just a lot to like there um and I think he would immediately improve those all bench lineups because he could kind of be on Corkmaz if Furkan Corkmaz was like an elite athlete uh at the wing position um well he at least he won't take those floaters at least oh that's uh the Furkan
1: floater is that that might be the worst shot in basketball that might be Him and Danny Green have missed the rim on more floaters than, like, any pairing in the NBA. It was very – that was, like, a very Sixers Twitter complaint all year is that why on earth do these guys keep trying these floaters when they're very clearly not good at them?
2: Yeah. You you know who has a great floater and actually is a good off-the-dribble shooter that might be there at 28 is my guy Trey Mann. Um, I, I think he fits a lot of that offensive needs that you were talking about. Um, it, it, how do you how do you view him and his fit in in philadelphia
1: so i i like both those names you guys brought up um i'll actually stone i'll touch on trey man first because my only worry is i'm guessing that i mean i i haven't fully gone in scouting trey man yet i actually have trey murphy is one of the guys i've watched a lot of games of now so i have some pretty deep trey murphy thoughts but um trey man like just with how much I've seen from his handle and the off-the-dribble shooting, I really doubt he'll still be there at 28, but especially just, like, if you can do what he can, and, you're like, the pitch is that way, I don't see how he's not, like, picked in the top 20 or at least the top 25. So, that's, like, my look at, like, yeah, you could say our Trey Ma- Trey Man and Tyrese Maxey, a tiny bit redundant as smaller guards who the main cell is off-the-dribble creation. Like, yeah, that's a fair complaint, but, like, it's also a super value, valuable skill you're taking another swing at. So, yeah, if Trey Mann's still there at 20, I'm fine with the Sixers taking him. I'm just – I would think it's more likely Trey Murphy is there considering, like, you know, how much more of a – it's just a, a skill like that Trey Mann has is harder to find. So, you know, that's kind of the key to drafts. Like, those harder to find talents are probably what you're going to go after earlier. Um, I do like Trey Murphy a good bit. I think he is – I think he's good, but the, my thing is, like – so he's fine but that's the same thing is like I think he's fine I don't see much shot versatility it's very much he loves to like back up into his shot and I actually find it kind of fun because that's kind of how like when I played in high school I would shoot too like just not like coming off the of screens but like just backing up into it he has that very set form it's a very like nice form very straight line there's no like complaints about it at all but it's just very like mechanical and like I, I don't see much I don't see much off the dribble equity from him besides like maybe attacking a rampant closeout. And even then he's not, like, fantastic at that. He's athletic. Once he gets to rim, he has some, like, he can finish sometimes. But, like, I don't think his handle's really there much yet at all, which I would be concerned with that. He, But, I'm like, yeah, and I don't think he's big enough to guard fives and or even, like, well, I think he could handle some threes. I don't, I don't think it's, like, a guarantee. It's like, uh, it's, like, yeah, he has size, so he can play some good solid defense out there. I don't think he'll kill you on defense. and It'll hit open threes, which, you know – at 69 that's enough to get you in the nba for sure. So there's no complaints about Trey Murphy but I kind of feel like there's a little bit of like it's kind of like set almost what it is. Of course he can develop some but I, I like my big takeaway after scouting these guys the last few weeks is that a prospect that with similar a similar selling point to Trey but one I'm actually higher on and think I would prefer the sixers and I'll I would like to ask what you guys think of this guy is Kessler Edwards from Pepperdine. I have watched Kessler and I I really like Kessler. I am start I really like him a lot. So just do you guys give me some of your thoughts on him before I keep going, because I've been talking a while here.
2: Um, Yeah, I, I'm actually really high on Kessler as well. Um, I think I have him um, near or around 15 on my board. Um, He's a guy who has, I think, sort of a similar skill set as Trey Murphy in, in terms of your kind of uh, prototypical 3 and D type guy. Uh, but with Kessler, I feel like he has a little bit more of um, – shot versatility and on-ball creation than Trey Murphy possibly. That's, a, um,
1: that's exactly what I'm thinking too.
2: Yeah, I, I think he, I mean, not that he does it a whole lot, but I think he does it uh, enough of um, like getting his own shot is, is bigger. There's, there's more upside to him getting his own shot, I think, than Trey Murphy um, as, as an achievable outcome, I think. Um, that said, I think Trey Murphy still fits really well with what the Sixers are trying to do. Um, so it's not by any means a bad pick, I would say, uh, but I I do like what Kessler brings in terms of being able to create his own shot. It's probably not quite the defender, Trey Murphy is either in terms of, um, uh, even perimeter defense. I think, uh, Kessler is a better team defender than he is on ball guy. Um, but I, I actually do really like that fit as well. Uh, and I actually did like a mock draft recently with some other draft Twitter people. And that was who I picked for. For Philly at twenty-eight, because I do like that. Good man. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: I get what you're saying about Murphy. Um, I I will say that I think he has more potential as a movement shooter, um, just because of the athleticism, and he has really quick hips. Um, I kind of played as a movement shooter in high school, so it's something I always look for in in movement shooting prospects is their hips, because if you can, even if they haven't shown that yet on offense if you can quickly swivel your hips around like, like a handoff or um, off a pin down, it's a lot easier to become that sort of movement shooter than if you have like tight hips or, or really slow hips. Like that's my worry with Corey Kispert who will not be where the Sixers are picking. Um, but like his hips are so stiff. I don't think he'll ever be able to come off handoffs like that. Um, but yeah, Kessler is, is also one of my guys. Um, I, I, he, he just does everything you want um he's a really really good help defender who is probably the best ground coverage guy in this draft defensively i would say um at least him, was, him and
1: trey are, that's one thing him and trey share in common is just like for tall guys like you'll see them close out and someone's like whoa like where did he come from yeah they
0: they both move really well um defensively in space uh especially and like stone said he is a better like IQ guy like his rotations at the rim always look really good I could see him being one of the best nail defenders in the league at some point um so yeah that's a fit I really like um for sure
1: yeah like with Kessler like it's what you guys said with the shot versatility was like a big thing for me just seeing he can come off of movement and hit those threes right away because that's just that's just such a deadly weapon when you can move to those certain spaces, come off the of screens, come flying up. It's just, you become come so hard to defend. And then seeing like, it's, it's, I thought this was weird is that like an antithesis between him and Trey is that, I don't know if you guys have seen this too, but I thought like Trey almost always drives left. He really likes to hold people like on his, like with his strong right shoulder and like power dribble with that left towards the basket. Whereas Kessler, since he's always hunting for those movement shots, he does like the JJ Redick Landry Shamit type things where since he's always running to his right to kind of swing his top foot around then he's always like driving right. When he's trying to get to the basket, he often drives the right hand. If he's going left, he's usually hunting for a pull-up, which I, I don't know if he's not like a great pull-up shooter yet, but it's clearly like there's something there. Like it's something you can go for. And then probably my biggest thing too, of Kessler is like, I just like some of this, like he does some things off ball when he moves to get open for those threes that I really like, which is such a big part of being that great shooter is like understanding where to get the space, like, half of Danny Green's whole success in the NBA is that he knows how to make that cut along the baseline to find that corner three. He just kind of like knows how to hunt out that space and being underable to understand that gives you so much like, it's just you, because you're punishing the defense for their mistakes, which as much as people like to hate on NBA defense, it's the best defense in basketball in the world. Like that's what it is. And if those guys make a mistake and you punish it like that, that's really helpful. Um, I didn't see that as much from Trey because of the lack of the shot movement. But what I would say is, kind of going to what you're saying about maybe developing that movement. Shade. One thing I did say is I like Trey Murphy's sense of when to backdoor when teams are playing up on him. And he of course has that great athleticism to finish it. like dunks and stuff like that. once he gets that burst. So like I could see something about like, just understanding how spacing works and how to use the threat of your shot to open stuff up like that. I could see how Trey maybe translates that to, you know, moving over to those shots. I, I just think Kessler's like, I just, it's like the thing, it's because um, I don't know how to phrase it, right? Like, what is it, like, one in the bush or one in the hand, something like that? Like, yeah. i th- It's something that I think I've already seen it with Kessler, where like, okay, its I know he can do this, whereas I'm not sure about that with Trey, even though he might be able to. And that's kind of the distinguishing factor. Um, And I think, I'm not saying anyone who ranks Trey above Kessler is doing it for this reason, but like, Trey looks almost very, like we said with the shot, it's like very normal shots, like what you would want for a guy like him. He's built in a very, like, not, like aesthetically pleasing way where it's like Kessler Edwards I think like those like quotes in Moneyball the movie where like it's like he kind of looks weird Kessler Edwards he's got a weird shot for him he's like there are some you can take some screenshots where he's kicking his legs out weird he kind of falls over weird he's almost like leaning too far over a little top every time and like that's hard for some people to get over that what this guy looks different why does he look so different like and I think yeah, but he's good. He's very clearly good. So I, I would lean Kessler over Trey, but you know, ultimately if you tell me like any like you mentioned, Trey too, if any three of those guys were the Sixers pick at twenty-eight, I would probably come away pretty pretty like satisfied, at least what they did.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love your discussion of the micro skills with how they drive. Um, and we'll move on in just a second, but I think it got me thinking I think some of what it is with Trey Murphy like when he go left is that when he jumps he likes to he likes to load right to left where Mm -hmm. he likes to plant the right foot and then the left foot and kind of load up to jump off too Um, yeah so I think that's a part of it too it's that's a lot easier to do when you're driving left Um, Mm -hmm. but you know you mentioned how you'd be satisfied with any of those guys Um, I wanted to ask you like what type of picks would not satisfy you what's sort of your worst case scenario whether it be who they pick or maybe like, like a weird trade. You don't like, like what's your worst case scenario where the Sixers go with this pick?
1: Hmm. It's hard. Cause when I haven't gone, I have like just started trying to go fully in depth in some players that I don't have, like, you know, there's some of you guys I haven't looked at them enough to know for sure if I would really dislike them, but like, in theory, I mean, there's some other guys I like there. Like, I wrote about Isaiah Livers once, how I really like him, and I'd be cool if the Sixers take him again. Some size, movement shooting, Think I think he can play. Other guys like that. And, you know, in general, even though I want some plus size, like, a good rule is that you can never have too many wings. Like, <laughs> just get get as many wings as you can. It's probably going to help. Um, so, with so that said, like, for uh, I mean, any Sixers fan could probably tell you this. Any big who can't shoot should – just not be on the Sixers board that that's not going to help them. Um, and then similarly, I don't like, I just have a real tough time with guys who have lack movement skills, like in a glaring way. Like when I was trying to think, Hmm, stretch five, I watch. I've watched some of Matthew, Matthew hurt, like can really shoot the ball, man, is the defense bad. And like, I am just like, you know, that can't at 28 or 50. I'm just like, he's just going to get attacked. Like on defense, I, like his whole value is probably derived from, can you hit enough shots to justify being on the court? And I don't like, like, I think it was Seth Partnow said one time, like just, even though he's not like a quote unquote draft guy, like he doesn't like prospects who the idea of them, they can only be good one way, which it's just like, it's very hard. Like you only have one Avenue to true success. Um, I know one guy, I know when he was re- saying that he was referencing in particular Cam Thomas of LSU, I think, who i mean cam thomas in theory like if you could give the six or some of what they want in terms of like oh well cam's whole thing is he hits tough shots off the dribble, but it is also like that's a very hard skill so you have to be very good at it to make it work and that's just like, like i mean you see jordan clarkson hit so many tough shots and like he's still the sixth man on the jazz he's still not, like start not a starter for a reason still took a while to really become this guy in the nba for a reason that's a
0: it's just a very really bad in the playoffs still really bad in the playoffs (laughs) yeah so
1: it's just like it's just very hard to live that way um maybe you got maybe you guys could give me some names like and try to jog jog me like on who guys who I might because I could probably like I'd have like a sense of most of these guys and who they are and because I've like I've followed enough college basketball and kept up with draft stuff to have like a general sense of them but like yeah, just lack of – shoot. if you're going to lack shooting, you really got to be bringing it somewhere else to be drafted by the Sixers, in my opinion. Like, a guy wrote down, was, maybe you could do that. It's like, say, Terrence Shannon Jr. falls to 28 somehow. Because, I mean, he's got some really special gifts, like, athletically and can do some the dribble defensively. is very intriguing. So, like, I'd be okay with the Sixers taking him. But, like, you know, that is a gamble because it's just hard – we've seen enough of this team. Like, you, can we create shots off the dribble for them? So – like yeah are there any guys that stick out to you like as not sixers fits
2: um go ahead stone i, uh, I was going to say well two guys for me um i'm not entirely sure if they'll be here or not i think there's there's chances that they could be uh one of those being um josh christopher i think josh christopher is i, I don't want to say um cuz i do like josh christopher but i don't think he really fits the sixers in terms of Uh, I don't think he's really a perimeter shooter at this point. Um, The Sixers seem to be more as uh, they view themselves more as contenders at this point. And I think if you're taking Josh Christopher, he's someone that you probably need to develop over the next couple of years. Um, And and I think a lot of what he does just doesn't really fit what the Sixers are sort of looking for. Um, So that that would be one. Another, I think, um, who, who kind of fits that mold. I uh, would be Greg Brown, um, who is kind of slotted in that sort of range. I, I, am just
1: worried about Gre- everything I've heard about Greg Brown. Kind of worries me. He's, just, I mean, obviously talented, but like, yeah, that's, that's not one of pickers pick I pick would want the Sixers to make.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm super low on Greg Brown. Which, if you've listened to this podcast before, everybody knows uh, I have him like 60 or something. But um, it, it, I think he's uh, outside of that. Just in terms of what he brings to the table, I think. It doesn't really fit what the Sixers are looking for again just because he has another guy who's going to be a little bit of a project. Um, and as of right now, his three-point shot isn't something I don't think he could really rely upon. Um, and he's very much so like a, a inside-the-paint type guy. He relies on his athleticism as, as a rebounder uh, and things like that. He just has a skill set that I don't think really matches what the Sixers are looking for. Uh, but but one name we didn't mention to start, which I actually forgot to um, but I did want to get your take on him would be uh Chris Duarte. I'm not sure if you watched too much of him yet uh he's he's obviously the oldest guy I think in this class, but he brings a lot of I think what the sixers would be looking for as a three and d tech guy who can actually get his own shot a little bit to a degree. so I wanted to get your thoughts on how you think he fits.
1: Well, one quick question uh how what is Chris Duarte's height listed at? six. Uh, six yeah okay it's right in the range of like you know pretty good um but like you know it's like it doesn't have the out of like Trey Murphy 6'9 or Kessler where it's about I think 6'7 about shoes probably definitely 6'8 with shoes um yeah I mean everything about Chris Martin, you know he's like he's the very, he's uh, he's the oldest guy in the, this draft right
2: yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah and uh I mean yeah like you said all, always sold them like 3 and D you can plug them in right away they'll probably be solid right away. Um. You got well. My big question would be because I haven't probably watched him enough to know is like, do you guys think he has the off the dribble juice needed to really add something, or is he just another spot up guy? Which I think, or sure, like it helps. It's but it's just like I, and I know again, it's a lot to ask for with the Sixers. Like, can this twenty eighth pick come out, come in, and create a shot for me in the playoffs as a rookie? But like that, that would be my question. Is like, how much off the dribble juice is there? I think there's a
0: little bit more than he tends to be given credit for. Like he's kind of given this three and D label all the time, which is a label I don't love in general. I think it sort of misses the nuances of basketball as a whole, but you know, like, like Contav- Contavious Caldwell Pope, like, is not like a great off the dribble shooter, but on a lot of teams that don't have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on it, like he could do that. Or like a Dylan Brooks, like, I could see Duarte being to that level. Um, he has a good feel for sort of like deceptive hes- hesitation dribbles that kind of give him an, an inch of space to get a shot off. Um, he's good at using his size. Uh, I, I think there's some off the dribble equity there, not like elite or anything, but I think probably a little bit more that he tends to be given credit for.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah, I... I mean from what I can guess and like especially with the age too like I would say like again like those first three guys you mentioned Kessler Trey and Trey man <laughs> Trey and Trey man but um with all those three like I would probably prefer them to Duarte but like given what you guys have said about him, what I know already I I would probably be okay with it like it's not like the sky is falling um or anything <laughs> If that's the pick, um, I would say now I'm thinking about it, like trying to think more conceptually about what the sixers would be, wouldn't work is like similarly to as if you're like six, seven, and up, you better be able to shoot, or else I don't think the sixers can use you. If you're six, four to six, five and lower or shorter, and you can't you don't have like and you're just really not a good passer, like but clearly below average passer, then I'm just worried about how you fit the sixers because. That's a big thing. The too. is just they lack so much passing chops as a team. I mean, Ben Simmons' camp has, but the whole thing is like, Ben Simmons is great at finding openings, but he never like is great at, especially in the playoffs, creating those openings, which kind of then limits his passing. And then you know, Seth Curry's like actually a pretty good passer, but like similar to Ben, it's like just hard for Seth to create advantages to then unlock some of his passing ability. Tobias is pretty meh. Joel Joel got better, but it's still not great. Um, Danny Green, like, Danny Green's, like, the best post-entry passer on the team, but then he also throws lobs that hit the shot clock, so it's really up and down. With, it was everything with Danny Green. Like, none of it makes sense when he's good or when he's bad. Same thing with Matisse, honestly. Matisse Thybul will like, there was one classic play where he missed a wide-open, like, rim run, and then he flared to the corner with the ball in his hands and then threw a backspin post-entry that perfectly bounced around the defender denying – like to Dwight Howard for Duncan's like, how do you do this? He, he alters between like horrible passing ideas and like clear misses to like passing brilliance, like randomly. But yeah, it's my long winded way of saying like, I would appreciate if the guys are shorter, just like, can you, can you like give me some passing chops basically? And I don't know if there any, like, I'm guess I think from a
0: Josh Christopher, like passing is not a huge strength, is it? Yeah, no. And, and you know, Cam Thomas would be pretty yeah. rough there. Um, like a BJ Boston, which probably not a guy that would be taken uh, at 28 anyways, but like BJ Boston's pretty bad at that. Uh, You know, uh, Stone mentioned Greg Brown, who's bigger, but kind of the same thing. Um, an underrated sort of not nightmare, but a, a guy who, who I think could end up around this area. That I don't particularly like here, and this could lead to a disagreement between Stone and I, um, is Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Um, I hmm. think he would be, yeah. Stone made a face. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he did.
2: <laughs> I, I do have I have Jeremiah Robinson Earl top twenty on my board, which is higher than almost anybody. I think oh. uh, like Mavs draft is super high on him. Um, Zach, but... Zach
0: too, who we just had on Zach Padmore.
2: But
1: before we even talk about Jeremiah Robinson Earl, like just have to distinguish. Probably the coolest name in the draft by far. JT like,
2: Thor, but yeah.
1: Ah, those, they're they're both great <laughs> names. Like JRE is a It just sounds so
0: professional, Jeremiah Robinson Earl.
2: Yeah, it does. Um,
0: and he's yeah. a Villanova kid too, which is, you know, in Philly and the as, whole McCall uh, Bridges thing that uh, yeah,
1: uh, we, we don't need to bring up. But uh, as Dave DeFore says, just draft Villanova guys, they will work.
2: Yeah, essentially. Um, but but yeah, I'm super high on on Jeremy Robinson. But I actually do agree with Bryce here, where it's not really the ideal fit in terms of what what the Sixers may be looking for with skill sets. Um, what what JRE brings to the table is being you know possibly the best switch defender in the draft or one of the best, um, and also being sort of kind of just the super high IQ guy offensively. He doesn't really hurt you in any place offensively, um, but it, and can maybe become sort of a spot up guy. Uh, but I think what what you're looking for and what I think the Sixers ultimately need the most is someone with pull-up equity, like you were mentioning, uh, who can get their own shot uh, or a three D type guy. Um, and I mentioned earlier too, Trey Mann, and, and you brought up a good point in terms of uh, post-entry passes. I think, I didn't even think about that because of with Embiid uh, uh, on your roster, that's something you are going to have to probably look at with, with um, some of these prospects. And I think Trey Mann might be one of the best post-entry passers in this class. Um, so that being, and you, you also said that he, he might not be there at 28, and I agree with you. Um, I mean, some of these guys have such broad draft ranges where it's really difficult at this point to say where they might go. But um, is there any uh, scenario where you think trading up for a specific guy you might like, uh, or even down or, or out of this draft makes any sense for you guys?
1: Yeah, so I try to think about trades. Um, you're not not usually think of anything big when you have 28 and 50. Um, I could definitely honestly see them doing something to move 50 just because it's, it's Daryl Morey. He likes to make trades. He likes to see what he can tinker with. Um, last They went into draft night last year with their disastrous team. They left with Danny Green, Seth Curry, Isaiah Joe, Tyrese Maxey, and Paul Reed, and a lot of that was through trades. So... you know like a lot of moving around picks kind of seeing what they could do with that so i could definitely see them like i could definitely see them not being at 50 but making a second round pick basically um as far as 28 goes like uh you know when i was feeling down horrendous like i said 28 plus ben simmons for like i mean would the Cavs take 28 plus ben simmons plus another first rounder for number three um uh maybe i don't know uh you know (laughs) It would it would be hilarious if like the Rockets like took Jalen Green or something at two, and then or the Sixers talked themselves into you know if we need to go back to size like Evan Mobley, Joel Embiid, Twin Towers, we're going to rule the NBA's paint.
0: Um, uh, now I'm just yeah like <laughs> Evan Mobley being a supercharged Ben Simmons would be like a dream. You talk about good post entry passers. He played in that that high low at USC. He's he he, he got that down.
1: No, the, and post-entry passing, like, as far as it goes, like, basically, I mean, Danny Green was good at it, and, like, honestly, you just have to not suck at it, basically. Like, just don't be bad at it, because you know who was? Like, Josh Richardson, I can't tell you the number of times he threw it to, like, the wrong side of, like, the post-entry, and you had to see, like, the Sixers' faces, like, glaring, like, at him, because uh, Jay Rich is a great guy, like, also, hilarious Twitter follow, Jay Rich is very funny. And it's, it's probably been a rough two years for him of how the last few trades have worked out. My guy cannot throw passes. Like Jay Rich, just, he's a bad passer. And so that's like another one, just like, that's basically what I'm asking. Like, can are you just at least not like I'm seeing you eyeing down the post-centric pass to Embiid. Am I worried about this pass that's incoming or am I like, okay, this is probably fine. Like, that's actually one of the reasons to draft somebody like Whees Camp from Iowa, just because they've, or why, why is it? Ah, yeah, I was get that mess up, but like, because they've had so much practice throwing in, entry passes to, um, uh, why am I playing Garza? Luca Garza, Garza. And then, although I think it's like, wasn't it like McCaffrey was the one, or was it who's the one? Uh, CJ, or what was his name CJ Frederick? Am I remembering? Yeah, that right. Yeah. Now he's going to Kentucky. Yeah. But basically, like, there was all this stuff about the Iowa like entry passers, or like, or Jordan Bohannon was good at too. Like, they throw like ridiculous post entry passes to Luca Garza. So, but, um, yeah, so getting off, of, sorry, getting off topic there. But no, you're good. As, you're good. As far as the trades go, um, I mean, you could also see like just basically all I could think of was instead of trading up, maybe it's like package Ben, ben Simmons number 28 and a boatload of picks and call up about those better players like Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, just because that's the sad thing is that a while ago, it probably could have been Ben Simmons for Damian Lillard to Ben Simmons for Bradley Beal straight up with like very little tinkering around the edges. And now it's like, yeah, you got to attach a lot more to that now. But um, yeah, I I couldn't really think of anything in terms of like their triumph to get this guy, especially because like we said, what they especially need, that kind of star level pull-up equity, you're not really getting without like a – at least the lottery pick, if that, like you might need like a top seven pick, which I don't think any of those teams are super like willing to trade those picks off the bat. So, yeah, I, I, if there's anything that would be of a trade, it'd be number trading number fifty just to tinker around in the second round, cat you know, cap manipulation, adding assets, whatever, or number twenty eight
0: is just packaging, just 10. Maury being Maury, like yeah, something's gonna happen. <laughs> That's what he's yeah. done his whole life. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to
1: put it, Bryce.
2: <laughs> um, well, You know,
0: and we don't have to dive into, like, the Ben Simmons trades because uh, I, I'm sure – I don't spend much time on Sixers Twitter, but I can only imagine the amount of there, trade machine that, screenshots that are all of I, I will quote um, the excellent Emily Cannell
1: from our – the Gastro Blues pod on Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, which in their reaction episode to Game 7, as she described Ben Simmons, especially passing up the dunk, she – and she's, like, the probably the biggest Ben Simmons fan on our site, at least one of them. She described it as, it's insane and I hate it. And that's how I, I feel about everything going on right now. So, yeah, like, like I keep saying Ben Simmons for CJ McClellan is such a sad trade on all sides, man. Yeah. Like, that is, <laughs> oh, that's just very sad for everybody involved. That I, is the,
0: yeah, that is the doldrums of NBA trades. It's just, we'll, we'll trade you this, this, like, Underperforming number one overall pick for a point guard who doesn't pass very well. Or, or like, it's because I also said, you guys realize who was always mocked
1: as the straight up for CJ guy, Aaron Gordon. So that's how the rest of the league views him <laughs> about right now. He's about basically Aaron Gordon now, which is fine, player. He's still a good player. That's not the franchise changing player. Aaron, Aaron Gordon's now the fourth guy in the Nuggets. Yeah. So, yeah, I, oh, man, it's sad.
2: <laughs> yeah, it definitely um before we get out of here I, I did want to ask you i know you mentioned um possibly trading the 50th pick which in all likelihood i think is, is probably the most likely outcome but is there any like late second round guys or undrafted free agents that you've you've watched yet that you kind of think might might be able to break through like maybe a paul reed or somebody last year that was able to become um some semblance of an intriguing player
1: yeah so i mean One that I did mention him briefly, Isaiah Livers, in terms – the thing is, I have no idea where Isaiah Livers is going. I have seen him, like, everywhere from, like, 20 to 70. I have no clue what anyone thinks about him. So, like, yeah, if, like, you take Kessler Edwards at 28 and Isaiah Livers at 50, I would be, like, so happy about that. I think that's a great – two great picks and two guys that can play. So – and I I don't know. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. It's kind of like that where, like, everyone said, like, the top – four of this draft is assembled and then like five through the rest is like the eye of the beholder because i mean there's some obviously some some consensus where guys like slot but it doesn't seem like there's too much of a agreed upon ranking after the top four so i'm not really even sure who to think who's going to be there
2: yeah I, I would say that the top four is agreed upon in, in both the mainstream and like draft twitter and then within twitter i guess like where we're used to no, five is pretty much where it opens up for everybody. And I think in the mainstream, it's still viewed as a five player draft. So yeah. I'm pretty surprised if, if five is not Kaminga. Mm-hmm. Um, but but after that, yeah, you're, you're completely spot on where it's really anybody's guess as to where these guys go. It's, it's a wide open draft after that, I think. Yeah, um, while I was
0: working today, I did a I did a lot of research on what research, you know, I did, I, I tried to figure out where the mainstream was at, right? Like, um. It seems like everyone. So the first pick is going to be Kate Cunningham, and then two through four is going to be some combination of the Jalen's and Evan Mobley, but it kind of kind of be any any order. And then five, six, seven seems like it's going to be Kaminga, Barnes, uh, Davion Mitchell, and then like there's some players who are like clearly like top 14 guys, but then 15 to like 50. Like I saw one, I think that had Austin Reeves above Trey Mann. I, oh, I I'm pretty sure. So like, it's it's pretty wide open for
1: sure. I can't can't wait for like the Austin Reeves Kevin Herter draft comp. Um, but um, oh, oh no. <laughs> um, but uh, I think what was it like? Michael Ribanov always puts out that like draft Twitter consensus board. And even those like, oh, I remember like seeing on that like um someone had a Tyrese Maxey like 66, and I was like. Like, geez, like, like I think, uh, like a I'm lot of
0: people had him top five last year. Yeah.
1: There were people who had Tyrese. Ma- there was at least one person I think put him one because last year's draft was like the ultimate, like, no consensus draft everywhere. Yeah, so, it might
2: have been Ben Pfeiffer, five honestly because I remember he was super yeah. high next.
1: I think Ben had him four. Okay, yeah, he was like, still yeah. super high on him, but yeah,
2: yeah. like, um, nah, sure I number one is guy. But yeah, I, he had a pretty pretty high draft stock i think on draft hmm. um yeah so uh th- is there any other th- things that you wanted to bring up with the sixers in terms of uh, like routes you think they should go or uh anything else you wanted to hit on
1: yeah so i mean we as we kept talking about like that off the dribble shot creation like that's might be something that you have to address through a ben simmons trade or through some other kind of trade some kind of it's something that is unlikely to be solved by a non-lottery draft pick just is the reality of it like it is very rare that like oh who's the center from Serbia at pick 41 we'll draft him and then suddenly he changes your entire franchise like that's the anomaly and I doubt that happens with the Sixers so I, I I would say like that might be so maybe going that route of size plus shooting is just a better way to go just because I think that's something like you can get and you know like I'm by it's I, f- I feel like I have a tired time thinking like I just like the draft in general I like the idea of because it's just fun to get new guys on your team new young guys so you team to develop I was ecstatic after the last year's draft like I mean the Sixers came away with three guys Tyrese Max who's clearly a part of their future Paul Reed and Isaiah Joe seem like they definitely can be they like showed flash enough flashes like okay there might be something here like they both definitely need to improve but there's something And that was kind of a really great draft night. So they kind of get to work off that. And you kind of can get sucked into like, even when a trade or a free agent signing might be the better route to like fixing a problem. Because at the end of the day, those are generally proven NBA players you're exchanging or or like kind of sending to different places. So instead of all betting on guys who are yet to be NBA players, which is just a riskier proposition by like definition, um, that it's kind of like, that might be the more sensible move, but it feels more fun to do it through a draft because yeah. also you're not you're not giving anything up as a franchise to go get those guys and their young guys, and you kind of feel like oh there are guys now we took them in, it's all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I I would say like probably the route to go is just like I, I would like to see them use these picks, but I, I will ultimately understand if they have to package them to make a bigger move that is a of team because they I mean they're at the point where it's not just like they can't be the thunder where it's like just accumulate draft picks and figure and draft all the young guys figure it out all later. Like, you know, they, there's a time, there's a ticking clock with them continually, especially given Embiid's health and age now. I mean, he's not old, but he's not young anymore. Embiid's like 27. So, you know, you kind of have to start doing some stuff and I'll, I'll understand that they move on from those, but I mean, I, there, like I said, there's some guys I really like in this class. I'll, Try and look through it more, but yeah, I'm just hoping for size and shooting. And after last year's draft, I'm, I'm optimistic about the draft of the Sixers, at least have a good touch on how to handle it.
0: Yeah, uh, before we get out of here, I just want to say that, uh, I had Isaiah Joe in my lottery last year, so he's my guy. I, I every, everyone was just worried, everyone
1: liked Isaiah Joe in the Sixers Twitter world, but it was just the worry was that they thought they promised him at 21 when they thought he'd still be uh... available in the 30s. And then they didn't take him, and then they did get him at 36. Because basically, I think it was Mike Levin on the Rice. Ricky Sanchez said him like, like in June that someone in the or like super early on that someone in the Sixers franchise had told him they promised a guy at 30 in the 30s. But it all worked out. It all worked out. They kept. They got Isaiah Joe, and like everyone's hoping he's the heir to Robert Covington because of the way he plays.
2: Yeah. He's. Yeah, I had Paul Reed top 30 too, so I was I was high on the other guy that they took.
1: So. Be- B-ball
0: Paul is beloved by everyone. No, no one dislikes B-ball Paul.
2: You can't. You can't.
0: He was easily the most fun player to watch in the G League, aside from Kevin Porter Jr. But like, that dude had so much energy. It's like watching. He, it was like watching like prime Dwight Howard like play in the G League, like sort of thing. He is so chaotic, and he'll try anything. And, I mean, the, everyone loved
1: him right away when he tweeted the before his first game, like, so excited to get this curse started. Gets a DNP and says, guess I'm going to have to get him tweets right after the game, like two minutes after the game ends. Guess I'm going to have to get it out the mud once again, which everyone, like, loves. Like, I think Daryl Morey set it up on his phone that he tweets some di- a gif of some different thing getting out of the mud whenever he subs into a game. Um, like, Daryl Morey has some, he has some really weird tweets. I, I love Daryl, but he's got some really weird tweets um and uh yeah like, like uh no but I mean B- Paul Reed like you said just he makes everything happen one thing I love about him too is Paul Reed like none of the other Sixer centers have done this for so long he rolls so hard after every screen like he is trying to get to the rim as fast as possible which they have not had since Rashawn Holmes and I mean I don't know how anyone dislikes Rashawn Holmes so that's another reason to like Paul Reed's so, some kind of vibes like that but yeah High expectations for this draft. High, high hopes.
0: Yeah. You know, there's there's no one better to bet in than Daryl Morey. I mean, Daryl Morey somehow almost built a team that I mean he built a team that with a healthy Chris Paul would have beat like that crazy Warriors team. Uh, so I don't I don't know. I trust him to to make the most of this offseason. Um so we'll see how it goes. But uh Dan, do you want to let the people know everywhere they can find your stuff?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at at Dan underscore Olinger, um, and like I mentioned here, I write and podcast for Liberty Ballers. You know, I host a show that comes out every fr- Friday morning called the Talking About Podcast. Usually, diving into a lot of Sixers things from you know a lot of tactical stuff, but also like we're it's me, me and my co-host Sean, we're both Sixers fans, so you definitely get like after that Game Five, you get the same amount of vitriolic rage that you would get two fans to watch their team blow a 26-point lead, you'd get that. And uh, I'm also the current ins, uh, editor-in-chief at Inside and You, which is Northwestern's SB Nation site, which, yeah, I mean, any Northwestern sports fans out there are just maybe looking for college sports fans, want some good stuff. Like, we do a lot of great stuff there, breakdowns, uh, r- reports. Like, I've had some really good investigative pieces, uh, other stuff like that. Um, yeah, just great stuff like that. And, yeah, if,
0: at Dan underscore Olinger on Twitter is the handle. Yeah, uh, this was awesome, man. Uh, Stone is at report underscore court. I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14. Uh, we're going to thank Dan again. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been the Upside Swing's Draft Podcast. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.